hey, it's me, a mosquito. I know you don't want me to bite you, and you're trying these different methods to prevent me from biting you, like citronella candles or bug spray, but how about you try something new? Maybe if I'm entertained, I wouldn't want to bite you, so you could play an episode of this podcast. Before we continue my first ever journey through the Harry Potter series, just a few quick announcements. First, just a reminder that Potterless is going on tour. Yes, Potterless is happening. Starting in August, we will be doing shows in the United States. We've got stuff in the Northeast and the Midwest booked right now. Hopefully, we will be able to expand this tour as the year goes on and into next year, going to the West Coast, going to the South, maybe going abroad as well. I'm very excited, but if you want to check out tickets and get them before they sell out, you can head on over to potterlesspodcast.com slash live right now. And second, just a programming note, the next couple of episodes are going to be about the Lego Harry Potter video games. There will be two episodes about the first game and one episode about the second game. If you want to get caught up to speed on these, you could either play the games or you could watch YouTube videos that have playthroughs or cutscene compilations. They're very fun and I'm very excited to bring these episodes to you. And speaking of things that make me very excited, we've got new members of our team over at patreon.com slash potterless that are supporting the show. So I want to give a shout out to the newest members. So shout out to Anna, Robin, Raven, Volk, Maria Paz, Tessa Wargle, Alyssa, and Hannah Hove. And of course, as always, a huge shout out to our producer level patrons, Vicky, Christine, Aaron, Clow, Marchismo, Juan, Rosemary, Maria, Lisa, Audra, Eleanor, Nikita, Rachel, Alex, John, Noel, Claire, Rory, Veronica, Lada, Noah, Jennifer, Justin, Jacob, Maya, Polly, Zena, Harlan, Nikki, Kine, Sarah, Marta, Flor, Skyla, Adele, Professor Threat, Ellie, Michael, Kelly, Kerry, Connie, Jen, Nedry, Will, Marike, Ashton, Brittany, Phelan, The Meadows Family, Ginny, Heather, Kevin, Jarl, Peter, Callahan, Bella, Melanie, Rees, Joseph, Madison, Tonks, Sabrina, Sophia, Farzan, Melanie, Matt, Okamahime, Boney, Pony, Kelsey, Rike, Taylor, Megan, Riley, Laurel, Erica, Kendra, Natanya, Yogan, Darcy, Sandra, Craig, Demi, Michelle, Henrika, Casey, Megan, Jack, Stain, Little, Elaria, Gregory, Cawcaw, Ribbon, Jack, Serenity, Haley, Sabrina, Jenny, Eileen, Annette, Hufflepuff, Brett, Mary, Artemis, Samantha, Nina, Tatiana, Karis, Vomit Spiders, Punkfish, Wire Warrior, Joe, Michael, Maya, Jasmine, Neely, Tate, Sam, Sam, Adriana, John, Jody, Dunna, Nash, Emma, Il, Sean, Greg, Matthew, Ping, Vinacek, Nani, Emma, Steamed Nuggets, and Kurt Hyder, who never walk a couple of city blocks with a canned beverage in their backpack and then open it thinking this surely will go well and won't spray all over the place. If you want to be like one of these amazing patrons and get access to bonus episodes, exclusive live streams, exclusive merchandise like Wizard on shirts and stickers, and more, you can head on over to patreon.com slash Potterless. But without further ado, let's get into episode 180 of Potterless, our fourth and final episode covering Wizard People, dear reader, guest starring Johnny Frolicstein. Hello, Internet, and welcome back to another episode of Potterless, the tale of a 29-year-old man who never read the Harry Potter series as a kid. He read them as an adult. Before he read them as an adult, he watched Wizard People, Dear Reader, but now he's talking about it professionally. My name is Mike Schuber. I'm that grown man, and I'm here joined today again to close out the chapter on our Wizard People, Dear Reader discussions. It's Johnny Frolicstein. Johnny, how's it going? It's going well. It is the Friday before Memorial Day, and I feel very tired and excited about a three-day weekend and excited about the fact that I get to lay around and do not very much for the next three days. So here we go. I am in the rare situation where I actually get to do the same because normally as podcast that comes out weekly, boy, I don't get regular vacations like normal people. But this time I scheduled an episode not to come out on a Monday. And now I actually get to fully relax for a weekend, which I don't get to often do. Wow. Yeah. That's see, that's that's being a grown-up podcaster versus a rookie. You can say, hey, you know what? This Monday, 
No episode. I am always learning and always growing, and that's why when we eventually do the Percy Jackson pod in a few months, I will be setting up built in. We have no episodes on any month with five Mondays in it. (laughs) I'm walking. I am walking into the gates with hello. Now that I've done this for five years and I've been a little too hard on myself, let's naturally force me to not work. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Hey everyone, it's editing Mike. Just real quick, past Mike made a goof here. He said there will be no episode on any month that has five Mondays in it, but what he meant was if there's any month that has five Mondays in it, there will be no episode on that fifth Monday. This will happen four times a year, so you get some nice little breaks. Get excited. Percy Jackson pod coming out in a couple of months. Ooh, anyway, back to the podcast. It feels like we're just catching up right now and not recording, so I guess we can talk about whatever we're going to talk about today, dear reader. Yeah, let's let's get into Wizard People, dear reader. We are going to talk about the final chapters of this incredible video series, and we will start that discussion where we left off with chapter 25, which is titled, Guess the Fuck What? So Dazzler leads the kids to detention, and what they have to do in detention is hang out with Hagar in the old forest all night. Yuck, the narrator says. I know, I love the reframing of, like, Hagrid not being their friend, and so, like, that's actually a punishment, whereas, like, they're excited in the real thing. It's so funny. It's absolutely wonderful. Hagar's dragon apparently flew away, so very different from what actually took place in the books. But also the movie, they just, like, completely... Do they, ch- I don't know, if, I don't remember exactly what happens in the movie, but they very much change this where you don't see Charlie and his friends come because, of course, we can't see Charlie in the movies. I don't even remember what they normally do in Sorcerer's Stone, but I forgot how swept under the rug Hagrid having a dragon is. Oh, you're totally right. Not only is there no Charlie Weasley, there's no any explanation at all for where the dragon goes. It's bizarre. Oh, really? They don't say anything at all? Like, he does. He doesn't have any sort of excuse. Like they made me get rid of it. No, no. It just. It maybe it did fly away in the movie. Maybe Brad Neely was spot on here. <laughs> so he's very sad about this, and he's he's upset, saying that dragons have no heart. So Dazzler goes on to speak. He speaks, and no one is amused. The narrator says, "Quote: His voice sounds like a dying loved one calling out to you while you are restrained," which is a grim description. It's a really grim description. He's just like dunks on Filch or Dazzler for like three minutes here. And there's like one part where it's just like scanning over all of their faces and they all look sort of scared about going into the forest. And I think Filch is talking at that point. I think he says something like, no one cares, not a fucking soul. And it's just like, oh my God. When the narrator of this decides to not like a character, the narrator holds nothing back. Sometimes to the point where it feels a little too much like we've talked about with Hermione slash Harmony. But I mean, Filch sucks so i feel less bad well he's not he doesn't get into his looks which is a lot more fun he's just that's like true, that's shut true. up you're an asshole <laughs> so hagar signals that it is time to go grabs his crossbow and they move on but the narrator describes that the leaves are even scared of the old forest which is the name of the forbidden forest and the leaves try to ride the wind to escape so hagar dips his finger into what in the normal story is unicorn blood but in this of course it's unicorn unicorn urine and Hagar says that there is a prize sized unicorn nearby and with their help he will kill it with a crossbow and win a prize in a local contest that killed me the idea of Hagar going to like a wizard county fair with like the unicorn over his back that was like the heaviest of all the unicorns in the town and so he wins like a medal for like that's so funny I feel like a wizarding county fair would be so much fun you could have wizards 
try to grow stuff. You could have biggest vegetable grown with magic. You could have biggest vegetable grown without magic. You could have, instead of pig races, you have crup races. You can do all these super fun things, and that is a world I would love to live in. What would wizard deep fried food look like? Come on, what food is on a stick? Yeah, what are like, what are the equivalents of those like crappy games where you have to like throw a ring over the bottle and like you win the like nickel if you get it or whatever? Like the wizard equivalent of those would be so fun. Yeah, you have to, I don't know, maybe you have to Accio something from really far away. You have to Expelliarmus someone's wand and then it's got to land in a particular bucket. There's all these fun options. Oh, that's really good. The the Expelliarmus arms the wand or like plinko you like expel the arms and watch it like fall down the, the plinko thing Ooh. until it lands in the right spot or maybe they're already run by wizards and that's why they're all so damn impossible it's because people are doing magic uh-huh. on the outside I like the thought. I like the thought. Similarly, wizarding renaissance festivals could be very fun. And it's a shame that this world was never fleshed out to include these sorts of things. Yeah, what a bummer. But at least they go to school. Yay! So Hagar shares that unicorns are white, they travel in pairs, and they like apples. Hagar then splits up the group and puts Harry and Mouth Oil together because Harry is a serious threat. And though Mouth Oil is a, quote, son of a fuck, he is a powerful little puke. What What a great description of any bully. <laughs> right? Very well done. <laughs> Harry, Mouthoil, and Fang go off, and they're talking about nothing because their hatred for each other curls about their temples like Caesar hats. This is, again, one of those lines that's just, I love the creative writing from some of these lines. Oh, it's so amazing. And I, I cannot wait as we go into these next chapters and everything gets just like more and more untethered from what actually happens and his prose gets like so funny but also so well done right it gets into the aspect of wizard people dear reader that i like which is when he uses the flowery language and he goes off on tangents and all this more so than just oh the narrator said a word funny or he cursed those things i don't find as funny younger me loved it but when he does these things like when he does the daydreams and these overly verbose loquacious descriptions i very much enjoy it and i'm glad that this latter half seems to have more and more of them as things go more and more off the rails 100 so the narrator continues quote but what the christ they are too late their unicorn has already fallen under the hand of some dracula the voldemort is dracula thing i don't know if it starts here or not but it's like so patently absurd that he calls him a Dracula, implying that there are multiple Draculas that Voldemort is just one of. I love it so much. Right. The word Dracula is used in the place of vampire, and I think it's fantastic. Right, because not only is he wrong about Voldemort, he's also wrong about, like, the thing that he is isn't. Yeah. <laughs> So Harry doesn't run off, though, because he hates detention, and he'll deal with this if it means getting what he wants. So he just, he's willing to risk his life just to not have to do detention again. And I think he brings up the prize unicorn again. I think he's like, Harry wants the prize unicorn so we can like, win the contest, and he's got to get his hands a little dirty fun. Uh, so then the centaur comes in, but the centaur is rebranded as a badass man horse who comes to save Harry. The Dracula skirts off, knowing that it can not step to these two. Badass man horse, that's pretty accurate. I mean, there's not much else to a centaur. Right, you're not wrong. So the man horse explains to Harry that the Dracula was actually Valmart, the scar artist. Again, another better name for Voldemort than he who should not be named. The scar artist is great. They called him the scar maker before. I think these are really fun names for him. Oh, yeah. I, I kind of like the idea that, like, 
they called in the scar artist like 50 years after the war and they were like oh the scar artist what are you Voldemort the scar artist the scardist if you will scar so the man horse explains that Valmart is after the stone. He also says that Valmart is Harry's dad and the other guy is Harry's stepdad. Quote, your arch enemy, the guy who tried to slay you, the guy who slayed your Mima, <laughs> is your dada. <laughs> your dad is a Dracula. And he does not let it go. No. Walmart, the Dracula, is Harry's dad for the rest of this whole thing, and it's so good. Canonically, and we really don't get any sort of sense of how James Potter truly fits into the play, but here we are. This is canon now. Is he that other guy that was the stepdad? I, yes, that's what he's saying, but from this moment on, you don't really get the narrator talking about James at all, even in the fight at the end with Coral, where Harry's parents show up in the mirror. Uh, he just doesn't really acknowledge that his dad slash stepdad, James Potter, is a thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. So Harry then vomits on the man horse's shoes. Of course, this doesn't actually happen in the movie. Hagar cancels the rest of detention given the circumstances, and now we get into chapter 26. Chapter 26 is titled Harry Boils, according to the YouTube titles, which I don't know if they're official or not, but we press forward. The squad talks details around the fire in the Gryffindor common room after downing some cognac. So we're getting some uh, new alcohols into the mix beyond <laughs> what we've seen so far. It's so absurd. The four or five, the, the three of them, he says they down four or five cognacs. That's a night. That would be an evening for me. <laughs> I was going to say. I'd be doing magic after four or five cognacs. <laughs> the narrator says, quote, neckties loosened, robes unbuckled. Yes, <laughs> they are relaxing. And I never noticed this. I never noticed that they really do look like people that just got home from working a nine to five or students after a tough day at a school where you have to wear school uniforms. I, this completely went over my head when I watched the movies. At least, you know, the first three. The only thing missing is like looking at their phones, not talking to each other. <laughs> So Harmony tells Harry that he's going to have to fight and defeat Valmart. And then now the narrator just blurts out finals as we change scenes. The tests are easy compared to what the kids deal with in their free time. Hagar then summons the squad over with, of course, a child summoning spell to tell them that he told a drunk Dracula at a bar that the dog, the three-headed dog, will sleep if you play music for it. And Harry just loses it on Hagrid for giving up the goose. He says, why doesn't he just get on the PA system, love that Hogwarts has a PA system, and tell everyone his dad is Valmar. He ends this with, quote, I mean, what fucking good are you? Why don't you learn to keep a goddamn secret, you hairy piece of shit? God! <laughs> Harry being mad here is so funny, and in his rant, he says something along the lines of two, he says, like, what do you think this is? A fucking free-for-all of facts? And a free-for-all of facts is Jeopardy. That's, that's what Jeopardy is as a game show. That's mm -hmm. immediately what I thought of when he said that. I love when they're walking to Hagrid's that the narrator says that Harry was nursing a head that dealt with one too many cognacs because he was like, rubbing his scar and i love scar pain as a hangover metaphor mm -hmm. it's very fun it's very fun i love all the visual cues that the narrator uses to change the perception of what it is and that's the kind <laughs> of thing that i think 
tying this as a play along with the muted movie is so much more of an experience than just listening to the audio from it. Oh, totally. The squad tells Hardcastle McCormick that the stone is in danger, the Sorcerer's Stone, and that they have to warn Dumbledore. But McCormick says that he's in London for the weekend. Harry cries out, crumbs and carrots! The stone is doomed! I love crumbs and carrots. I'm going to start saying crumbs and carrots every single day of my entire life. I hope you do. I'm going to hold you to it. Crumbs and carrots is really good. I'm going to be watching my beloved St. Louis Cardinals and someone's going to fuck up and I'm going to go, oh, crumbs and carrots. I am trying to get into a point where I curse less, especially as my niece gets older because Aurora is approaching five years of age. And this is certainly to the point where I cannot just be cursing Lily Nilly. So I'm trying to prep myself and do more things like saying fiddlesticks and and the like instead of actually blurting out curses and crumbs and carrots could be a very fun one i want to get your take on something else that i noticed when he said crumbs and carrots cries harry i love that the narrator his level of narrative like specificity is just so variable scene to scene like sometimes he's just like very high level describing the action and other times he's like describing like the absurd things that these people are saying and it's never consistent like dialogue shows up once every three scenes and it's so funny it really does weave in and out and as we'll get to a later chapter i very much enjoy when the narrator just kind of like takes a scene off to talk about harry's daydreaming and then it's just all (laughs) narration of this non-existent story because i guess brad decided i don't want to talk about this part (laughs) Yeah, this part's boring. I want to talk about whatever the hell is in my head right now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So Harry warns that McCormick better protect the stone personally because if it is stolen and Dumbledore gets hurt, he will hand her her ass when this is all said and done. The narrator (laughs) says he is ravenous at this point. Fuck this. And timed with the movie, again, Harry's fuck this kind of looks like that's what his facial expression is getting across and it's absolutely perfect. Oh, those are the best. So good. So Snake talks to the squad in the hall and the narrator, gosh, this was just, this was just so fun because when he's describing Snake, he says again with the face, again with the eyes because Snape does shoot Harry a funny look and darts eyes at all the different kids and then the conversation between the two is, Snake saying to the kids, what are you kids doing here? And then Harry saying, we fucking go to school here. (laughs) (laughs) Which is exactly what happens in that scene. Mm -hmm. And then, again, this is not exactly how it happens in the real movie, but if you're watching Muted, it makes perfect sense. The narrator says that a staring match ensues. And of course, Harry is the victor. Because the scene really is just close up on Snape, close up on Harry, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and then Snake leaps. Yeah, which you're you're 100% right. It's it's so close to what actually happened. Mm -hmm. So after Snake departs, Harry turns to the two and declares, quote, I will feel her blood on my hands tonight. (laughs) And that's the end of chapter 26. (laughs) Chapter 27 begins with, quote, a disturbingly meaningful fog hangs cataracts all over Hogwarts. Just, ooh. What does that mean? (laughs) It means nothing and it means everything. Yeah, you're right. Upfish does his heartwarming attempt to try to stop the squad from going out in the night. The narrator says he is sweet, but he is being a nuisance. So Harry, in no time, dispatches Harmony on Upfish. And then Petrificus Totalis is instead called a popsicling spell, which... (laughs) 
is not an incorrect description. Sweet, but being a nuisance is like the perfect way to describe poor old Neville here. Man, it's so fantastic. Then the narrator says that they just leave Neville without a blanket so that he can think about what he's done and what brotherhood means. And I did realize at this point, they do just leave Neville in the middle of the floor. And I don't know exactly how Petrificus Totalis works, but... I don't know. He's just laying in the middle of the floor staring at the ceiling. I am surprised the kids didn't try to hide him or do anything. He's just there. I have two questions. One, you're right. Why didn't they just like take 10 minutes and drag him out of at least the middle of the floor so he didn't get stepped on in a dark room? Question two, how does Petrificus Totalis work? Is it like Bluetooth headphones where like if you get too far away, it starts to like let you like, you know, start to twitch a little bit. And then like when you're out of range, you can finally move. I don't know about the lasting effects nature of it. I would assume it is a time-based thing based on how powerful of a wizard you are. But I do think that you are fully conscious. You're just frozen and stuck in place. I don't know if that means Neville would feel the senses of being cold where he could use a blanket like the narrator points out. But yeah, who is to say? It's a great point. You're conscious, but what are, your, what are your nerve endings doing? Are they firing still or not? I don't know. At, at the very least, they could put a book or something in front of him. I don't know. Get, throw him a bone. So the kids put on the invisibility cloak and they make their way up to the Chamber of Secrets where <laughs> Fluffy is. <laughs> And maybe this is why, if you listen to episode zero of Potterless, where I tried to say all of the stuff that I know about the series before starting it, I flipped which of the first two stories had the three-headed dog and which had the giant snake. I thought the giant snake was in the first one, and I thought the three-headed dog was in (laughs) Chamber of Secrets. Maybe this is why. Maybe subconsciously my brain associated the Chamber of Secrets with... Fluffy the three-headed dog. Watching this just like broke you some, somehow, like very, very deep down. And you're like, maybe like you're still going to make that mistake, like it, moving forward in your life. I hope so. <laughs> so the lock is turned into a dove and the door is slowly opened. Of course, this didn't actually happen, but I would prefer if Alohomora, instead of just unlocking stuff, turned locks into literal doves. That would be so much more fun. Like the whole lock or the whole knob? I I have no idea, but I like it regardless. So just as they are getting through the trapdoor below Fluffy, the narrator describes something that just completely does not happen on screen. The dog moves so fast that you cannot see it, and it chomps off most of Harmony's head, and she is dead in an instant. Then, Harry blacks out, and powers no one knew existed start emanating out from him. He turns the dog inside out, and then dissolves it into a pudding. Harry, with completely white eyeballs, then puts the two pieces of Harmony back together and blows life back into her. Time resumes, and Harry thinks nothing happened. Through the trapdoor, they now go. I was I was flummoxed. I was floored by this. <laughs> yeah, which... It was cooler than what actually happened. It was so cool. It was gruesome at first, and I was afraid that Harmony was just going to be dead, and then we were just going to ignore her for the rest of the movie. I'm glad that is not what actually transpired. Wait, you haven't watched Avatar The Last Airbender, have you? I've not. I am saving that for my future podcasting empire when I run out of Percy Jackson stuff to do. Uh, No promises, anyone, but it is a potential. I will say that I am actively avoiding that one, and 
and I'm actively avoiding Game of Thrones just in case. Well, this won't be a spoiler. I'm just going to say it for people who know what this means, that it was very similar to the Avatar state, what Harry did. That's all I'll say. All right. And you'll know what that means when you do Avatar list, which is totally what you're going to call it. Uh-huh. That's 100% the name because that's all Potterless is. I just added less to the end of something, and that's the whole joke. That was it. It has nothing to do with Pottermore. It has everything to do with adding less to words. No, it's not a double entendre making fun of the previous name of wizardingworld.com and then also the fact that I am someone that is Potter less. It wasn't a double joke. It was just me adding the word less to Harry Potter. Which is way funnier. (laughs) Curse you. (laughs) Everyone get ready for Jackson list coming out in a couple months. (laughs) So they go under the trapdoor and they land on, instead of Devil's Snare, the narrator says, what I assume are leathery roots that are hell-bent on tearing the kids limb from limb. (laughs) I like when the narrator doesn't know exactly what's happening. (laughs) Oh, it's perfect. He continues, Harry can't help but notice the coincidence that last night he ate spaghetti. Fantastic. So Harmony escapes with a shrewd spell, but the other two can't understand her explanation of the spell to them. So she casts a releasums on Harry, but it doesn't work on Ron. So she uses a sunburst spell to hurt the hidden eye of the wad of roots. It then frees Ron and they resume on. And Harry then reveals to Hermione what he's been thinking for a while. You're amazing. So I like, especially after Harmony was just over the top dumb on throughout this video series, I very much appreciate that now, much like in the actual books, in this moment, Harry realizes you're actually great and I've been a jerk. And I'm glad that that came through into Wizard People, Dear Reader. Yeah, I, I agree with you. She's getting credit for being the only one of them who can actually do anything and deserve that credit way earlier. So Props to narrator. He finally got it. It's also funny because the the flip of this is that in the story, this is Hermione's weakest moment where she can't even remember to cast a spell that does light or fire or anything, even though she's done that previously in the story. So it's funny that in this, this is Harmony's best moment when it was Hermione's weakest. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a good point. You're right, Past Johnny. That was a good point. Hey, it's me editing my cousin, everybody. Now I'm about to make an even better point, and that is that we need to take a little bit of a break here before we continue. We gotta take a break for Wingardium at Ridosa. Today's episode of Potterless is brought to you by Care Of. Let's say hypothetically that you are Harry Potter and you are not necessarily living the healthiest lifestyle. You are up super late at night. Your dinner, at least from Wizard People Dear Reader, all we know consists of spaghetti. You're inside all of the time. If you need to round out your diet to get a little bit of more nutrients into the system, what could you use? You could use Care Of. Care Of puts together daily multivitamin packs for you so that you make sure that you are getting the proper nutrition that you need. Through Care Of, you take an in-depth online quiz to ask you questions about your diet, your lifestyle, and any health concerns that you have to help address your specific wellness goals. Based on the results of this quiz, they will recommend what your daily multivitamin packs could look like. You can tweak these if you would like, and you can also learn more information about the particular supplements that they are recommending. And then your recommendations get sent to you. It's a nice box that has daily individually wrapped packets that are perfect for getting back into or starting a routine. And these packets are compostable, which I really appreciate. Kelly and I both got some daily multivitamin packs from Care Of, 
and we really enjoyed it. My skin was looking nice and clear. Kelly's digestion was nice and smooth. It was a nice experience for us. So if you want to look into this and you decide that it's right for you as a Potterless listener, you can get 50% off your first care of order if you go to takecareof.com and enter the code Potterless50 at checkout. Again, for 50% off your first care of order, go to takecareof.com and enter the promo code Potterless50, that's Potterless50, and you'll get 50% off your first order. So head on over to takecareof.com, use that promo code Potterless50, and save on some multivitamins that can help round out your not-so-healthy lifestyle, Harry, today. And now you'll hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of these ads will be read by me, others of them won't. The ones that aren't are inserted locally, so if you live internationally, don't be surprised if you hear an ad in your country's native language. And once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of Potterless. This episode of Potterless is brought to you by Arena Club. Now, if you listen to this podcast, it should be no secret that I am both a sports nerd and more of a traditional nerd. And when you think of these two types of nerddom, there's one thing that links them together, and that is card collecting. Whether you are looking to buy, trade, sell, or display a card collection of sports cards or Pokemon cards, you should check out Arena Club. ArenaClub.com is the place where you can do all of these things. I have recently made a purchase on the marketplace. I got Lieutenant Surge's Raichu, which is my favorite Pokemon, and I didn't even know that there was a Lieutenant Surge version of the Raichu. So that is a card that I now have, and it's not just some digital thing. I can have this card physically mailed to me. So there's a bunch of cool stuff you can do with Arena Club, including their slab packs. If you have ever done any sort of card collecting, you know that ripping packs or repacks can be a zero transparency type of thing where you're just hoping you get some sort of cool card. But what's nice about the slab packs with Arena Club is that you have full transparency. You see what available cards are there, what your percentage of getting them is, what the gradings are, so it is not a complete black box. You're going into this knowing what cards you might get. And I've been using Arena Club, and it's pretty cool. It's very easy for me to look up different cards. I can favorite them, see what I want, and then whenever I want them shipped to me, I can get them shipped to me, and then I'll have the physical versions of them. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to ArenaClub.com slash Wow, that is a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack is slash Bucks right there. Wow. Anyways, that's ArenaClub.com Arena Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. So now we get into chapter 28. I forgot to mention chapter 27 was called Wizard's Release. Chapter 28 is called The Bear is God. (laughs) The narrator begins this chapter with, quote, Harry is totally disinterested in this next challenge. And I find that funny because this is the flying one and that would be Harry's 
favorite type of thing to do, but it does hold true with the other time that Harry went off on a daydreaming tangent in Wizard People, Dear Reader. It was during flying class because he's so good at flying that he's bored of it. So here we get another daydream thing, and this one is incredible. <laughs> so he daydreams, but this time he sees himself as a conquistador, crushing in the faces of werewolves and Bigfoots. So again, Bigfoot, much like Dracula, is a, is a type of thing. It is not just the one. Right, there are many Bigfoots out there, not just one that people are hunting for. Amazing. Mm -hmm. So he crushes in the faces of werewolves and Bigfoots with an enormous telescope. He then envisions himself arriving on the coast of a then-undiscovered America. He peacefully mingles with the natives, teaching them magic, and they teach him how to fly. He learns to slay deer with laser beams from his eyes and how to make things out of buffalo hides. Then the narrator goes on about Harry finding a lover with powerful dark black hair and... The lover is someone that he could fly into the sky with and dictate North American weather patterns with. <laughs> this is so much better than the actual story of Columbus. Also, why do we still have Columbus Day? We've got to stop. It needs to end. You're 100% right. And I think the fact that it hasn't ended is because it's a quote-unquote fucking bank holiday, which makes it even worse. Because when you think bank holiday, all you think of is the type of people that don't give a shit about the fact that Columbus Day still exists, and it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating because you can just change the name, it would not be hard, and Christopher Columbus is just the most colossal fuck-up ever. If you actually read the story of him, he's just the worst. But I mean, what would make more sense? The most white privilege of stories to become a holiday. Yeah, a bank holiday. No, Uh and I've always been frustrated with bank holidays. I mean, now it wasn't as much of a concern, but when I was an engineer, I never got bank holidays off. So in my previous experience, bank holidays just meant if I tried to run errands that day, I couldn't do particular ones. <laughs> like go to the bank? Perhaps. <laughs> exactly. Because when I was an engineer, I only got the big picture holidays off, the national, federal, whatever the hell holidays. I didn't get off for things like Columbus Day or Martin Luther King Jr. Day, President's Day, all that kind of stuff. So it just meant, oh, this day you also have to work. And now it's more inconvenient for you to try to do stuff. <laughs> Speaking of trying to do stuff, when was the last time you went to a bank? And I'm not talking about the pandemic. I'm talking about physically going to a bank. I had to physically go to a bank before Kelly and I moved into our new apartment because we had to get particular financial documents to get approval of the apartment, especially because they did not like my income statements as weird podcaster boy that gets paid for lots of stuff in strange manners. They were very confused about how my income worked since I couldn't just say, here's my W-2. Uh, so I had to I had to do that. And that, I think, is it. And I don't think that the pandemic would have changed that because everything else I've done banking-related, I've either done online or over the phone. And the only other thing I used to do is deposit checks, and now I can do that from an app. So really, I don't go into banks a lot. I love the idea of old bank worker being like, so you're telling me people pay to listen to this? Well, no, not exactly. <laughs> I don't know when the last time I was in a bank was. It seems like there's way more banks in the world than there should be physical banks because I don't think that many people go into banks very often. And I know that lots of folks who are not as well-versed in the internet often use banks as a way to get around that. But my goodness, it seems like there are just so many damn banks. If what's happening in New York City is any sort of indication of what's happening in the world, I will say that there are lots of 
what you can definitely tell used to be banks with four lease signs in front of them. Oh. It doesn't have the sign that says Chase or Bank of America, but you can tell, oh, it's blue and looks like a bank. That clearly used to be a Chase. Oh, it's red and kind of looks like a bank, <laughs> <laughs> but it's empty. That must have been a Bank of America. And yeah, maybe off for, for the job people, but uh, I feel like the banks can handle it. I, I don't feel bad for that. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I certainly don't feel bad for the banks. I feel bad for the people who work in the banks and... I want restaurants to go in those little banks. That That's what should, should happen. I would love local stuff to take up all of those places. And also, given certain laws that New York City passed recently, I would like to see vacant places turn into certain uh, recreational activity stores. I have no idea what you mean. Please be more explicit. <laughs> uh, just in case my parents ever decide to actually listen to this podcast, I'm not going to explain further. <laughs> okay, well then I'll just never know what you were talking about for my whole life. <laughs> so the daydream fades as Harry completes the task and they proceed to wizard chess. And... The narrator says that this is a challenge fit only for a bear. <laughs> In Wizard People, Dear Reader, this is not Wizard's Chess. This is the famous chessboard of Ragnarok. <laughs> and look at Wizard People, Dear Reader, pulling out old mythology before Thor made it a very popular word. I absolutely did a spit take at the famous chessboard of Ragnarok. And that was that. It's, it's 10 out of 10. It's a fantastic description, and it makes me want to get a chessboard that says the famous chessboard of Ragnarok on the top of it. All right, now now I know what to get you for Christmas at customchessboards.net. <laughs> so Ron approaches the board, and the way he does so is like a World Series winner going for one more World Series win. <laughs> uh, it's the ultimate tell me you don't know what baseball is without telling me you don't know what baseball is. <laughs> yeah, Derek Jeter's a World Series winner who often went for one more World Series win. And he kept doing it because he's great, and I hate when people slander Derek Jeter. Yeah. The narrator says that this is a raw deal. It's one of those you lose and you die deals. You know the kind, I'm sure. <laughs> then we have Ron kind of taking charge. And the narrator says, Ron begins to dictate how the next couple of moves will happen. Okay, listen up. I will take charge and make all the moves. You guys keep your mouths shut and keep out of my way. You act as a rook, I guess. And Harry, you act as a bishop. Harmony farts a nervous fart, but no one cares. And I appreciate this because people should stop getting upset or disgusted by other people farting. Yeah, it smells bad, but we all do it about 15 times a day and no one plans it. Everybody chill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And furthermore, people especially freak out about girl farts and Ugh. nobody freaked out about Hermione's fart here. So well done, Ronnie the Bear and Harry Potter. Well done indeed. Now Ron is getting ready to play the chess match. Quote, all of Ron's atoms are focused on completing the task at hand. Imagine God creating, and then you will begin to have a sense of Ron's massive cerebral cortex at work. Beautiful. How do you even come up with that? Simply beautiful. How? Do, I, how? Gosh. Imagine God creating. God, incredible stuff. So the narrator starts comparing Ron to all of the most famous war generals in history, and Here's the thing, and I don't know if this is actually how it's described in the book, or if they just did it for the movie so that it would be a very short amount of time before a piece gets destroyed, but Ron's first move, if wizard chess works at least similarly to regular chess, Ron's first move is awful. 
It is a terrible first move. Wait, what was his first move? I didn't even notice. So in this scenario, the opponent goes first. So the opponent would be white. The opponent does the classic E4 king's opening, which is very normal. And then Ron does D5, which is just putting the pawn instantly in position to get killed. Oh, the Scandinavian. That's the Scandinavian open. Is that actually what it's called? Or are you oh, just making yeah. a very plausible oh, joke? I, I kind of like the Scandinavian. I don't like the Scandinavian because you're just asking for death. But then you 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 take it with your queen. We can nerd out about chess after we record. <laughs> right, but I will say, if you go to chess.com and you look at the statistics, if you do the Scandinavian opening, white has a 42% chance of winning the game and black has a 31% chance of winning the game. Oh, no, no, no. Like, real, like good people don't use it because you get your queen exposed too early but like at like non sort of like tournament level you can you can you can get pretty far with the scandinavian on the flip side i'm a big sicilian guy which is you put up c5 if you do that white has a 36 percent chance of winning and black has a 33 percent chance of winning and then it's a 31 percent chance of a tie way better odds way better odds yeah the sicilian allows black to control the center very nicely which is just oh yeah Primo. And now that everyone has stopped listening, we can continue. <laughs> yeah, they, no, they didn't because they all watched the Queen's Gambit and they want to learn more. The best thing about the Queen's Gambit was me just continually rewinding so I could see what chess moves they're making. And they actually do a good job of playing real chess and making real moves that actually make sense. Unlike when they play chess in the West Wing, where they just make nonsense moves. <laughs> the chess in the West Wing is horrible. It is clearly not the chess wing. Damn it, you took it. You took it from me. I'm going to say the same stupid thing. Okay, I have one more chess thing. Yes. I have one more chess thing. I'm sorry. I'm not. This is my podcast. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah, you're right. We can talk about chess. We can talk about chess for the next hour. I'm pretty sure the movie, like, Sorcerer Stone hired a grandmaster to, like, create a game oh. for this scene. I'm pretty sure the story is, like, he spent a ton of time on it. It was this really awesome game, and people have, like, analyzed the game that this guy created online, how it's, like, would be a classic, and... They just didn't use it. They were just like, thanks, we're not going to use it. They exclusively use the cutscenes of pieces exploding. Yep, that's all they use, the pieces exploding montage instead of like some incredible chess game that this guy designed. But you know what? That guy probably got paid a very hefty sum just to do some chess stuff and... I think that's fantastic. If a movie hired me to talk about the realism of podcasting in something, and then they just cut all the podcasting scenes, but I still got paid, I'd be okay with it. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> I don't think you got a credit either, though. Oh, that's Poor a shame. Guy. That's a shame. You got to give someone credit even if they get cut. Yeah. That's the right thing to do. This also did raise a interesting thought for me is they show all the pieces moving, and eventually when a knight moves, there's no piece impeding it. But when I play chess, it is very common to hop over a piece with your knight. If you were doing that on this giant wizard's chess board, would the giant knight statue fly into the air to hop over a piece? How would that work? Yeah, that is so funny, because Ron's also riding a knight, so she's just like, whoa! Yeah. <laughs> so now we get to the point in the chess match after everything explodes where there are only a few pieces left, and the narrator says, quote, the desert portion of the game, this is not a thing. In real chess, it's called the end game. But the narrator continues, the desert portion of the game where a skeleton can defeat a buzzard if the buzzard is really stupid. <laughs> As is in the rules. Right. I don't know if this was him renaming pieces or him making a buzzard skeleton analogy. I'm not well versed in buzzards, so I wouldn't know. But that's the description. And we now get into chapter 29, which is called The Bear is Dead. 
Ron is going mad after a grueling battle. He is just so intense about this fight, and he realizes that sacrifices need to be made. So then he screams, I will die for this! <laughs> the narrator describes Ron as a veritable milkshake of all the past generals' strategical centers. <laughs> Impressive. So Ron then apparently, of course not in the movie, takes out a flask and sips peach schnapps and says that Harry can have all of his stuff if he doesn't survive. God, you can just picture like a war movie where like the general, you know, like takes out a flask, sips something and like turns to his buddy and he's like, no, he's about to go die. And he's like, you can have all my stuff. And then like runs off. To, and like, this is, this is perfect. I love this so much. It's also funny that the liquor that Ron takes a swig from is peach schnapps, which I don't know <laughs> yeah. if this is just a unique Mike Schubert experience, but my career of schnapps started and ended with senior year of college. Like, I've, I don't think I've ever had anything with schnapps in it since graduating. I think the, 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 the odd holiday drink, maybe, will have some peppermint schnapps. Other right. than that, you're totally right. I would never go near peach knobs with a 10-foot pole. I don't think I've ever had peach. I think the only one I've had is peppermint when you do the York peppermint patties where someone just pours peach schnapps into your mouth and then pours Hershey's chocolate syrup into your mouth and then pours whipped cream into your mouth and then you slush it all around and swallow. What a time. College! Yeah, man, college. <laughs> So Ron does his night move where he then gets attacked. Harmony almost goes over to him, but Harry screams, don't fucking move. We finished this now. It's how he would have wanted it. <laughs> Harry then walks up to the king, takes out a glove. Of course, he actually doesn't. And then slaps the king in the face with it, saying, checkmate, you asshole. And then the king is defeated. That's what I said to you the last time I beat you in chess nine years ago. I, I was about to say, what was that, 12 years ago? <laughs> it's been a long time. God. It's been a while. <laughs> Since I beat my <laughs> I mean, but you could smoke me in Blitz. I'm so much worse at Blitz than you are. I'm just good at you have all the time in the world to make a move chess. That's my specialty. Thank you for acknowledging that. I'm. Thank you for acknowledging that. That's. I really appreciate that. I am not good under a time crunch. I need all the time in the world to process my moves. Oh my god, I want to talk about. I want to talk more about chess. But <laughs> we we got to stop. We We've can't. hit our. We have hit our quota. So they run over to Ron, and Harmony is concerned, and she asks, "Why did we do this?" How could we let him get hurt? And Harry says that he will erase her ass if she complains again. And then he apologizes. I'm glad he apologizes. He apologizes and says that it was just the pressure talking. So now Harry realizes what he has to do. He tells Harmony to stay back with Ronnie and make sure that Ron's vitals are clean. And then Harry says, if I'm not back within the hour, phone the president. I don't know who he means by the president. I don't know if he was referring to Dumbledore, the headmaster, as the president. I don't know if this is an alternate reality universe where it takes place actually in America instead of Europe, but man. <laughs> or maybe it takes place in Europe and they still meant the president of the United States for no reason at all. Or in this alternate reality, the United Kingdom doesn't have a prime minister or monarchs anymore. They now have a president. Yep, yep, we've solved it. So chapter 30 is called Holy Fucking Shit aptly named. Harry walks down the stairs and he sees someone standing in front of the mirror slash gate of heaven. And the narrator in a fun moment again where the narrator doesn't know what's happening says, why it isn't Snake at all? It's Queerman. Queerman! Queerman tried to kill Harry in the cribbage match. Queerman unleashed the troll. Queerman's in league with Draculas and Wolfmen. Queerman wants the stone. I don't like... <laughs> The name of Queerman, because I do think this is just a bad mid-2000s joke, but the inflection in which he starts every sentence with that repeating surprise 
is very fun on a delivery note. Like even if his name had been Quarrel. Right. Quarrel did this. Exactly, did exactly, that. exactly. Just the, the repeated use of that is so fun. So Harry preps himself for combat by cracking his knuckles and donning his lucky headband, which <laughs> is you. not a thing that happened. But yes, as I currently record and as I have been doing for years, especially during the pandemic, when my hair is not in slicked, clayed back, swoopy hair boy mode, I have a rotation of headbands that I use to keep my hair out of my eye. And I'm a big headband enthusiast and I appreciate people rocking headbands. And you always do this before your training montages. You put your headband on and you crack your knuckles and then you go do a bunch of basketball stuff. I mean, I do crack my knuckles before doing some serious stuff and my knuckle cracks are pretty loud and I was very very happy when in middle school the myth of cracking your knuckles is bad for you got debunked because if it wasn't I was going to have a bad hand situation as old man Mike Schubert. It was bent up the day after that myth got debunked. <laughs> Everybody was just left and right just non-stop <laughs> knuckle cracking. <laughs> <laughs> so Queerman is then talking nonsense to the sky, he then does a spell to force Harry to walk forward to him and the mirror. <laughs> you get the same sort of stone reflection thing, and then Harry breaks this control spell and tries to play it cool. HP makes an excuse that he can't go into Heaven's Gate because he killed a dude a few weeks back, and that prohibits his entrance and all. Is the dude the troll that was like his first kill that was talked about? Oh, maybe so. It could be that, or it could just be as the narrator says, he makes up an excuse. It could be Harry just trying to come up with some sort of lie as to why he can't go into the gates of heaven. Best lies have a kernel of truth. <laughs> so Quirrell starts to undo his turban, and though Harry knows that he should head for the steps, he's always wanted to see what his head looks like. Quote, Harry and the boys have always joked about the possible hairdos or the balding, and then at the exact moment that you can see the face, the narrator just goes, <laughs> and it's done so incredibly well. It is so funny. It is timed exactly perfectly, and it is the reaction that, I'm sure every single person watching this movie had because that face is gross and even more so now because the CGI is bad. It's just so funny because he's like supposed to be an omniscient narrator mm -hmm. and like know everything that's going on. And then he sees the face and like clearly the narrator is surprised. He's not like Harry being surprised. He's like, ah, like it's so, it's just like... Every little inconsistency is perfect. Right, and it just keeps you on your toes because you don't know when he's omniscient narrator, you don't know when he is learning things at the same time as Harry narrator, and it always comes for a fun surprise, and I appreciate it. The narrator continues, holy fucking balls, there's a sick-ass face on Queerman's head. <laughs> so at this point, Voldemort slash Valmart is now referred to exclusively as Harry's dad. And... <laughs> and and also his face is described as moving like a marmalade baby just out of the womb. All right. <laughs> yeah. Harry is disgusted. Voldemort says that they can use the stone together and live in a gold castle or something. And Harry can't believe all of this. And now we get into chapter 31, which is called Holy Fucking Shit 2. Aptly named. Too holy, too fucking shit. That, yep. Mm -hmm. Correct. Correct. So Valmort sets the room on fire and starts telling lies like Harry killed his own parents and Dumbledore eats babies. The fight ensues. Harry uses a flaming hand spell on Quirrell. Quirrell recoils, but the face refuses a retreat, saying, forget the hand, man. Get the stone. Get the stone. <laughs> Throwing the man in there is just something so unexpected and beautiful because he talks usually in this medieval, old school, verbose <laughs> language, but just to have this very casual piece of dialogue is so funny. You're so right. It's just another tiny little 
character break of the narrator that's like makes no sense and it's so perfect so great so harry turns coral into ash and then bursts out something i want to start saying to pump myself up in the mornings quote i am important and unavoidable she's so good so good i gotta start saying that to myself before i launch into video calls Harry continues saying, Harry is the one who kills around here, and I killed you, dad. (laughs) So Harry turns around, and then his dad blows through him, just as everyone has their dads blow into them, like a kite. A kite of chromosomes blowing the wind of inheritance. (laughs) Kite of chromosomes blowing the wind of inheritance. That's beautiful. Kite of Chromosomes is a band name. It has to be. I was exactly going to say, there are so many lines you can take from this and make a band name from. (laughs) So Harry faints and falls into a dream of a still black ocean that he is at the bottom of. This feels very Kingdom Heartsy when you're in the deep, black, bad beach of the darkness world that you find yourself in throughout the franchise. Mm -hmm. And the narrator ends this chapter by saying, his senses are in the shop for an immediate overhaul. Hey, who got you uh, Kingdom Hearts, by the way? You did. Off the registry, and Kelly and I are making our way through Kingdom Hearts 3, and it is very fun. That was the best registry item. I wasn't going to get you bath towels. Come on. (laughs) It is a shame in terms of naming, and you've pointed this out, that I I wanted to play Kingdom Hearts too badly to make a podcast about it. And also, that would just be so confusing because Kingdom Hearts makes no sense, even though I've deeply researched it. (laughs) But that would be the one to call Heartless, uh, and it would actually make sense, as opposed to any other podcast i make that is the format of pottery list that will not have less at the end of it and to be clear it's funny because heartless is a thing in game of hearts it's not funny because you put the word less after a different word exactly so now we get into chapter 33 i don't know the title of this one because it's deleted from youtube shout out to warner brothers so they're in the great hall and all that stands between the students and vacation is hardcastle mccormick's hokey award points show <laughs> it's my favorite tv show that's that is so much better than the house cup i think it should be called the hokey award points show i'm imagining like a clown you know like there's a clown involved in cat hard castle mccormick's hokey award point show yeah or it's like woody's roundup from toy story 2 yeah (laughs) so dumbledore gets up he laments another year has passed and he's even closer to his end gryffindor has a measly 312 points hufflepuff is not called hufflepuff they are called huffer puffer they have 420 And the narrator says, and that's pretty good for the remedial class that they are. We got a Hufflepuff dig right before the buzzer. It had to happen. 2006, nobody knew Hufflepuffs were cool. They are. They're so cool. They're so cool. But one-upping Hufferpuffer is the name for Ravenclaw, which is Viacom. (laughs) So perfect. Which for anyone unaware, Viacom is a television mass media company that encapsulates CBS, and then a whole bunch of other TV shows that you watch. I don't know why in God's name Brad Neely decided to make Ravenclaw Viacom, but it's so funny. Yeah, literally the only thing in common is a V. Viacom's one of like 10 companies that actually exists. Every other company is just owned by some other companies. Like you got Viacom, Pepsi, and like... AT&T. Yeah, there you go. Now, Slytherin is currently in the lead. They have an even 6,000 points. (laughs) However... Last-minute points are in store, and they are as follows. Harmony gets 300 points for having general spell knowledge and using it in the face of danger. Ronnie the Bear gets 1,000 because 
You are bravery. You are courage. You are chess, which again, we could also get a chessboard that says that on it. And I would love it. Now, Harry gets some points. Dumbledore says that Harry is the keeper of our hearts and the true magician that has bewitched us all. And Harry receives six million points for vanquishing the Dracula. And I think that six million points makes sense. Harry didn't get enough points for defeating Voldemort. It is wild that he got so few. You're so right. He literally prevented a war, or I should say he delayed a war for three full years and like saved countless lives by doing this. And he got 60 points. That's absurd. (laughs) Complete undervaluing of what Harry brought to the table. But the crowd, much like Jay-Z and Beyonce in the Rented Out Louvre, they go apeshit. <laughs> and everyone is hype. Mouth oil, snake, and pit stains. We have no idea who pit stains is. All of them included. Pit stains might have been me. <laughs> that that might have been me. Are you a sweaty pit stain boy? I'm, I'm a sweaty foot boy. That's where I'm at. All my sweat comes out of my feet. I'm a sweaty everything boy. I have pit stains, sweaty feet, and bleh. You know what? It just means your body is keeping you cool, and it's doing its job. Everybody farts, everybody sweats. Get over it, everyone. The narrator, while everyone is excited, says the universe only accepts love today and luckily everyone is in accordance. (laughs) I I feel so bad for Neville and wizard people, dear reader. He gets nothing. Right! Poor Upfish, zero points. Oh yeah, Upfish, sorry. He gets nothing (laughs) for being Patrificus Topalist. Which, I mean, I don't really think Neville deserved those points in the first place, so I think it's fine. So Dumbledore then sings a little song that sounds like a flute that was designed by Jesus Christ. And the children have thoughts of slip and slides and water balloon wars, and everyone's hair is going to be rustled. And now we get into chapter 34. Harry has word with Hagar before leaving as they are getting on the train. Hagar gives Harry, instead of it being a photo album with moving pictures, it is a portable TV queued up with a video of Harry's parents. (laughs) But also not Harry's parents, from what we've learned from this story. Yeah, they don't really say. (laughs) We're kind of confused about what happens there. (laughs) Harry says it's weird. They hug awkwardly. Then they depart. And Harry makes the reasoning of his departure. I've got horses I need to check up on. So bring him back the tiny horses. But... The narrator says that they like each other, and I'm glad that after dunking on Hagrid for the entirety of this, they get to a point where Harry and Hagrid like each other, which is nice. The narrator says that Harry will come back, and Hagar will be there waiting as long as God doesn't fuck anything up. The end! And then there's a little bit of silence, and then wave, wave, some more waves, and goodbye. He says waves with silence in between over the course of, like, the last... 20 seconds. It's like really, really bizarre. It's very drawn out. But it is not the final moment of Wizard People, Dear Reader, because as the credits roll, and the narrator does title this chapter 35, he gives the best version of a I'm in no way affiliated with Warner Brothers and J.K. Rowling. He does it in a very non-formal manner, then shouts out his website where you can get in touch with him, and then he he kind of slowly melts away from being the narrator into an actual human and gives a very genuine thank you for people watching this. He does even preface it by saying, if you reach out to me, I probably won't reply, but to let me know that you enjoyed something I created is really nice. And, and he actually ends this on a really heartfelt, sweet note. And I totally forgot that this happened and I found it just so cute. Yeah, it was it was really nice. And also like, even if you don't respond, which I know you try to respond to like literally every piece of communication you get, but even if you don't, saying something like that where it's like, hey, 
I really appreciate you letting me know that some, you like something I created. It's real sweet. Yeah, it's so true. I appreciate everyone that reaches out. I do my darndest to reply to all the emails. The Instagram stuff is so hard because Instagram manages it so poorly. But I try to reply to as much stuff as I can. There's a lot of stuff that I read, but I don't have the time to reply to. So if you've ever reached out to me and I didn't reply, the chances that I read it are still pretty high. And every morning when Kelly and I make breakfast together, while I am finishing up making eggs, Kelly opens up the Potterless Gmail, and we do a couple of emails a day just so that I can do something. And I try my darndest. But yes, it is genuinely heartwarming for people to reach out. And I hope that Brad appreciates it. There was a patron who reached out to me and said that they at one point worked together on one of Brad's TV shows that he made. And apparently he's at the point where he doesn't want anyone to talk to him about Wizard People, Dear Reader, which is maybe why he hasn't replied to my DMs on Twitter. So I don't want to hound him, but I, I hope that he still appreciates it. Maybe it's like a legal thing thing with Warner Brothers, or maybe it is just he's annoyed by it being the first thing of his to really explode and he wants to move beyond it, which I can very much relate to and I understand. So I hope that Brad continues to appreciate people liking it because I like Wizard People, Dear Reader. I hope that anyone listening to these episodes who didn't know it before enjoyed it. And I would just hope that Brad, you know, appreciates the love for this ridiculous video narration whatever the hell series and i'm glad it exists i think it is so fun and i had a blast covering it on potterless i love it too and maybe you can get brad neely on potterless to talk about something besides wizard people dear reader i don't know you could just shoot the shit or something yeah we'll see if we ever cross paths at some point it is not out of the question the other thing i'll say about wizard people dear reader it would be a wonderful thing to watch after you go to the establishment that replaced a bank in New York City. That's all I'll say. <laughs> oh, interesting. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Well, Johnny, thank you so much for joining for these episodes. It was very fun. Is there anything you want to shout out to the people? Any plugs? Any m- messages? Get your vaccine. I said, um, I, Mike prompted me to say this on the last one, and I'm saying it all by myself this episode. If you're not vaccinated and you have your good reasons for not having gotten vaccinated yet. I'm I'm sure that those are out there, but please go get vaccinated because uh, we all want this sort of return to normalcy to continue on its way. And I will shake your hand one day if you do. Look, the more people that get vaccinated, the safer it is for me to do Potterless live shows, which I want to continue to do not only in America, but also abroad. It is a good thing to do. The science is there. You can read up on it despite any hesitations that you might have. But I highly, highly, highly encourage all of you to get a vaccine. It is a good thing to do. You're not only helping yourself, but more importantly, you're keeping other more vulnerable people out of harm's way because every person that gets a shot just stops the spread and the way this thing goes from person to person to person to person if you are able to stop one spread of it you could save a bunch of lives it can go a long way it's not just about protecting yourself which this thing does do it's about keeping so many other people safe on top of that wow we're such a political podcast telling people to get vaccinated (laughs) it's wild it is wild that doing the right thing and keeping people literally alive became politicized. That is wild. That just being a good human is a hot button issue. What dystopia are we living in? It's a hot foot issue, as Wizard People Dear Reader guy would have said. (sighs) And the sooner Mike gets back to live shows, by the way, the sooner I can get back to my workout routine of 
carrying speakers around Mike's live shows. Cause if you didn't know, I set up every single one and I haven't worked out since then. Cause that's my workout routine is setting up all of the stuff. I'm, I'm we delete that. This is not true. <laughs> But I will say you do run the merch table and you ran it incredibly well in Phoenix, which was very, I very much appreciated. Big merch table fan. We love the merch table because like I'm running the merch table before the live show and then I do the live show and then the people from the merch table before the live show are like, hey, wait a second. That's the best is because it makes sense when people don't know what I look like somewhat, but there's very easy ways to do it, like following Potterless on any social media or me personally. So there are some people who could conceivably go to a Potterless live show and not know what I look like. But the odds of people not knowing what you look like are even higher. Yeah, they would know your voice and maybe they could hear you at the merch table. But it's very funny for someone to not know that you are Johnny Frogstein until you get up on stage and oh, oh, like that's such a fun moment. Well, if they don't know what I look like, they must have missed me in the Avengers. That's all I'll say. Who are, who are you in the Avengers? I, was, I played Captain America. In the Avengers. Oh, rips, rips off. <laughs> You've been Chris Evans the whole time. Uh, well, Johnny, thank you so much for joining. Listeners, thank you so much for listening. And as they say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, before they turn villains into dust with the touch of a hot hand spell, wizard on. If you want to sport your pride for Potterless or any other Multitude show, one of the best ways to do so is with merch. We've got physical merch and also digital merchandise, whether that is replays of past live shows or wallpapers or ringtones, all digital stuff there, but then also physical things, pins, stickers, shirts, hats, and more. All of that for every Multitude show lives at multitude.productions merch. Potterless is created by Mick Schubert. It is hosted by Mick Schubert. It is edited by Mick Schubert. It is produced by Mick Schubert as well as Vicky Garcia, Christine, Aaron Johnson, Klauser, Lopu, Marchismo, Juan Sanfeliu, Rosemary, Daj, Marie, Lisa C. Keen, Audra, Eleanor Kerlin, Nikita Power, Rachel Guthrie, Alex Consulver, John Kotker, Noel Basile, Claire Spencer, Rory Collier, Veronica Bartova, Lada Bartova, Noah, Jennifer Marklu, Justin Montero, Jacob Parrish, Maya Gray, Polly Burge, Zena Rosnowski, Harlan Haskins, Nikki Harris, Kine, Sarah Shedder, Marta Morrison, Flora Sake, Skyla Lily, Edel Ryan, Professor Threat, Ellie Hoskov Chova, Michael David Yordi, Kelly Otilio, Kerry Crumpler, Connie Binkowski, Jen Went, Nedry OS, Will Huser, Mariah Kariga, Ashton Gabrielson, Brittany Gutierrez, Phelan, The Meadows Family, Ginny from the Block, Heather Langeel, Kevin Stewart, Jarl Sviven, Peter McGrath, Cal- Hannah and Darius, Bella Barlack, Melanie Demi, Reese Dignan, Joseph Torp, Madison, Don't Call Me an Infidora, Sabrina Balsaker, Sophia Loves Pigs, Farzan Jarabat, Melanie DeGreif, Matt Barger, Okamahime, Boney Pony, Kelsey Gillespie, Rike Mango Jensen, Taylor Payne, Megan Moon, Riley Kiedis, Laurel Happy, Erica Butler, Kendra Hertz, Natanya Page, Yogan Shanley, Darcy Alexandra Harrison, Sandra Rose, Craig McRoberts, Demi Lynn, Michelle Spurgeon, Henrika Wolf, Casey Canales, Megan Stampin, Jack Skitzes, Dane Nemcher, Little One, Laria Vicentin, Gregory Hughes, Call Call Mother Feathers, Ribbon Monstrosity, Jack Parr, Serenity Allen, Haley Hastings, Sabrina Casanova, Jenny Browers, Eileen Gazesh, Annette Pipitone, Hufflepuff alumni, Brett Clausen, Mary Price, Artemis, Samantha McNamara, Nina Campley, Tatiana Schmidt, Carries Davies, Little Vomit Spiders Running Around, Punkfish, Wire Warrior 4976, Joe Sander, Michael Peavy, Maya Saunders, Jasmine Ellis, Neely, Tate Sasson, Sam Sam Reby, Adriana Hernandez, John Savio, Jody, Dunna Morphy, Nash Sanadiki, Emma L. Oscar Tomasson, Sean Kirkoba, Greg Bonastali, Matthew J. Moreland, Ping Vinachek, Nani, Emma Cooey, Steamed Nuggets, and Can't I Water? Web design by Kelly Schubert, and the music is by Bettina Kambamanis. If you want to find us on social media, you can at facebook.com slash Potterless, twitter.com slash Potterless pod, instagram.com slash Potterless podcast, and reddit.com slash r slash Potterless. For any and all information about the show, you can go to PotterlessPodcast.com. If you want to get tickets to our tour, you can go to PotterlessPodcast.com slash live. Merchandise lives at PotterlessPodcast.com slash merch, and bonus content lives at patreon.com slash Potterless. If you think of someone that might enjoy the show, you could tell someone about that, whether you reach out to them directly, or you talk about it on social media, or you leave us a rating on iTunes or whatever podcast app you use. Those things all 
really help. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, as they say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, wizard on!